Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. We are so glad you're here today for what we think is going to be a really special episode. We have a special guest today, and we can't wait for you to hear from her and to hear some of the discussion we're getting into today as we talk about uh, just mental health and the church and, and doing mental health in the church and how churches can be a better support to that and what they're doing to be of good support to that. So that's a big topic, and we're going to jump into that today with our special guest. And Stay Santa, this is a special friend mm, to you. Absolutely. And why don't you introduce Amy okay. and just uh, let her let everybody know who she is and why she's here. Yes, this is my sweet friend, Amy Cordova, and we've only known each other for a couple of years, but to me it feels like it's been much longer than that. She's a friend that um, we just clicked immediately, and um, now I just don't want to do life without her. Uh, she is um, the leader of the BGCO Women's Ministry, and I'll let her talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But she has a very um, special place in Oklahoma for women, and she has taken this responsibility as one to be able to reach out and meet people that otherwise a lot of us wouldn't be able to connect with. And so I'm just super thankful that she took the time to be with us today, and it's just my honor and privilege just to get to sit with her and hear her heart. Well, hey, before we pitch to you, Amy, just so everybody knows, in case, because we know we have a lot of different listeners, BGCO actually stands for the Baptist Journal Convention of Oklahoma. So Amy has a role serving churches, uh, particularly Baptist churches across our state. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amy, why don't you share a little bit more about that and just some of the things you're engaged in, both in that position, but what you, what you and your husband, Rick, are also doing in your own ministry, in your own church. Yes. Well, I am excited to be here. I'm mm-hmm. excited for this podcast and you guys bringing light to issues that are are important to not only women today, but really to the local church. And so I do, I get to serve Oklahoma Baptists. We have about 1,800 churches here in our state, Mm -hmm. and I resource them through missions and women's ministry. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to get to be a part of what God is doing through our local churches in, in such an important way to reach others for Christ. And, and you guys are doing that here too. So it's, it's so you. fun to be here today and talk with you guys. I have been in Okie for life. I <laughs> love our state. Um, my husband and I live here in Oklahoma City. He is uh, starting a church on Lake Overholster on the west side of Oklahoma City called Bright City. And we have three uh, young kids, elementary age kids, and um, we're just always active and fun and yes. a lot of things going on, and it's such a joy. I follow you yeah. on social media, of course, and y'all are always doing something so fun, and I don't know, it's just precious. It's a it's a fun stage of life to be in, one yes. that I want to treasure every moment possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and we have a number of mutual friends, and, and through those mutual friends, the first time at least I ever met you, Amy, was not here in Oklahoma, but we were all down in Florida and just literally happened to kind of walk <laughs> yes. up on each other, and our friends knew you and Rick, and so we uh, struck up a conversation. And then uh, I can certainly attest when you talk about your kids and being active, and uh, I remember shortly thereafter, we had a chance to all hang out at the same friend's pool, I think, for Fourth of July, July. Or holiday. Yeah. And, yes. And... Uh, Man, your kids wore me out that day. They the did. So <laughs> I think you it was saved great a few of them in the pool. <laughs> it was great for me, but uh, I had a good day of exercise. You and, should yeah. see their little faces. Tell us the name of your kiddos. Yeah, so Emery's my 10-year-old daughter. I have another daughter, Lennon, yes. and she's seven. And then we have a little boy, Ezra, who is five. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And their little chocolate brown eyes are beautiful, and there's 
it would be impossible <laughs> for me to tell them no. So wait yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think Ezra's the one I got to really know because yes. you know little kids they'll just they're very trusting, which is a yeah. great thing. We also have to protect them. But you know he found. It's this stranger in me in a pool, and he just figured out, if I jump to that guy, he won't let me drown. He'll catch me. So, yes, um, I think you had to catch him several we times. We did that a bunch, which was a blast. It was a lot of we fun. We loved that day. So awesome. I look forward to getting to see them again soon. But, uh, Amy, talk to us a little bit about, um, I know one of the big things in, in the ministry you lead that, that happens every spring, and amazingly, you're figuring out ways to do this even in the midst of a pandemic, mm-hmm. and just I can't imagine how many challenges that's bringing your way. But... Uh, is a statewide women's ministry conference. And I know it's coming up soon. So why don't you just talk a little bit about that and just some of the things you have planned for that. And I'm really excited to hear what you're doing this year and a focus on mental health through yes. that event. Yes, we are. And that's coming up April 17th. Traditionally, we hold this event at False Creek, which many of your listeners have probably heard of. Sure. And it's a great place to go and to gather together to worship. But we know during a pandemic, not everyone can get down to False Creek. So we're uh, creating this hybrid event where they can still go down there if they want. But many are gathering at their home churches or even in their home to mm-hmm. engage and to gather, to hear the word, to worship together. And so that's coming up. We also online have over 25 breakouts and four of them are going to be focused on mental health. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. It is so exciting. And the the whole reasoning behind that is we have been really locked up in our houses for about a year, mm-hmm. uh, socially distanced, not always able to get together with people, which has brought some issues to the surface yes. or has um, compounded on previous issues. Mm-hmm. And so I want our women to hear there is hope. There is a light at the end of this tunnel. There, you're not alone in this. There's many other people, women, walking this same path. So let's connect it. Let's sure. provide resources to these ladies so that they can have the tools they need um, as, as we encourage one another in this mm-hmm. walk together. So that's what Women's Retreat will be about. It's great. That, I remember, like, when I first met you, um, you had... Um, I guess through mutual friends known that I had a little bit of a, you know, place in church with this, um, this topic and, um, just the way that you were so attentive and really were inquisitive about navigating that made me feel like, um, validated, I guess, in my journey. And that, um, is really hard to do. And, it's risky and you still did that. And I will never forget that. Um, just how sweet that was of you, but also that's just who you are as a minister. And so I just really appreciate you and thank you for that. Um, because it made me go, okay, I'm not going to get lost in this, you know, community of Christians, um, possibly anymore. And that was just really a meaningful thing for me. Well, I think even, you know, Paul talks about this a lot in in Scripture. We see where our weaknesses are often the platform we've been given to share the good news of Jesus. Yes. Um, I have a daughter who is dyslexic. And it's an ailment that she has to face every single day in the classroom. Mm. And and it is um, a gift, though. To her because in her struggle, Mm -hmm. she has learned to develop grit and something hard 
never scares her. And honestly, it is such a testimony to what God can do. Mm-hmm. Um, even in our weaknesses, he's made strong. And mm-hmm. I have seen that every single day in my daughter. I see it in you and I see it in others. And what a better message to a broken world to say, yeah, we have something that aren't great. They're not perfect in our lives, but we know someone who is, and Mm -hmm. he's come in and he's allowed us to utilize those things Mm -hmm. to make his name known. And he has, you know, my dyslexic daughter, what she loves to do every single day is get on her iPad. She opens the notes app and she writes for hours. She loves to write. The hardest thing in life is, has become her greatest passion. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in you too. The hardest thing in life has become one of your greatest passions mm-hmm. and an avenue so that other women can know Christ and they have known Christ mm-hmm. through you. And I believe that in my daughter too, that yeah. through her writing, people might discover truth mm-hmm. um, of the gospel. And I just think um, we can't set that aside or make it something untouchable. We have to embrace that mm-hmm. as a way to say we have a living hope. And that is something we can hold on to. And even though it's hard, we can continue to press through knowing that one day we are going to be made whole. We are going to be made right when we stand before him. And that's probably not going to happen until he comes back or we meet him face to face. Mm -hmm. But when it does, um, that's what we have to look forward to. Well, and just the fact that we don't have to wait until... We um, have it all together in the world's eyes in order to minister to people. Mm-hmm. It's just so freeing because if we wait till that happens, we miss so many opportunities. Yeah. And um, it's just really a shame when that happens. So what I want to encourage you today as listeners to do is to really think of what God has gifted you with. And you may not know what that is just yet. And we hope that you'll keep continuing to listen to our podcast so that that way um, we can help you maybe discover that, but realize that God looks for those who are broken. That's who he uses in the Old and New Testament. And that's one of the many things that I love that Amy brings out of the women in our community, in our church. And you can be a part of that community too. This is not a closed door. This is something that we're looking for people all the time to help come alongside us and minister to people, whatever your broken part may be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we're excited because Stacy, you get to be one of the breakout speakers at the conference this year. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be your session will be uh, some of, one of the ones talking about mental health and will be available on the digital pass. Yes. So, and also you're going to be part of a, of a uh, panel discussion, I know, which will be, I think, what is that part of the live event as well as the breakout or is that a breakout too? Yes. We're going to get all of our details up on the website and make sure <laughs> okay. that it's hard to get all together. I'm not <laughs> meaning to put you on the spot. So I'm not going to put a little pressure on Amy. Yeah, but too, no, so. I think that women, uh, this is a great opportunity to engage in, and not only for those who are suffering from mental health or dealing with that mm-hmm. every day, but also just the church to come alongside those who are and say, we understand a little bit more. We yeah. want to help. We want to be an encouragement to you in this. So yeah. what's the website where people could go to get more information yeah. or to register for this? Oklahomabaptist.org forward slash women forward slash retreat. Okay. I'll say it one yeah. more time, Amy. Oklahomabaptist.org forward slash women forward slash retreat. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. And I think it's really important to say, you know, I think I appreciate what you said earlier, Amy, that that um, you can attend with a church. You can mm-hmm. attend as part of a group. 
Uh, or you could actually attend on the digital pass just from your own home mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable getting out in public yet. Or, you know, and honestly, um, if you've never darkened the door of a Baptist church, if you've never been in a church, it's okay. I think, you know, if, if you just want to check something like this out and maybe thinking, you know, you could use some encouragement, I think that this is an event that uh, you're welcome to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think you'd be, you would find some, some value and some benefit in it. And I mm-hmm. think it would... Um, it would, it would be a, a hope giver to you. And that's what all we talk about on this podcast mm-hmm. is things that are hope givers. Well, and uh, and two, before we jump into some of the questions, more of the questions we want to ask Amy, you know, if, if you're a guy like me, I'm in here and I'm just, it's fun for me to get to, to listen to this and listen to Amy and Stacy talk. But, um, you know, just don't think this episode's for, for women. And yeah. certainly there's a focus there. But possibly, you know, the, the purpose of the Speak Out Loud podcast is to bring hope and encouragement for those who struggle with mental health and for those who love and support them. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're in that position or possibly, ladies, if, you know, we know that men and women both equally struggle with mental illness. Yeah. If your husband's having some of these challenges and issues, you know, this, so this conference, this breakout, this podcast today, uh, we'd want it to be of help to you maybe as you support your loved one um, who's going through this battle. And, and for church leaders, uh, some of the things we're going to talk about today is, you know, what are some things churches are doing well? What are some things where we've seen churches improve and maybe need to grow in to be of better support to those in their congregations and their their ministry kind of groups that, that struggle with mental health? So with that said, why don't we jump into some of um, the, the questions that we have today for you, Amy, and I think it'll probably spur some discussion for all of us. And uh, as we all kind of have walked maybe this road and certainly have some experience here. But as you look at, and Amy, I appreciate your unique role because you travel the state. You're, you're connected with uh, leaders, with churches all across Oklahoma and really probably all across the country in many ways as you network with your peers. But uh, what are some things that as you think about this that you think ministry leaders, possibly church staff, pastors, what are some things that maybe they should know about mental illness and how to support those under their spiritual under their spiritual care who struggle with mental health issues. Yeah, for shepherds in the church, I think it's important to know that there are likely people in the congregation and in a, a small group setting or people you touch every day that are struggling with mm-hmm. mental yeah. illness. And uh, if you don't know anyone, it's probably because you haven't developed that trust relationship yet with them to know about it. So true. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's important for our church leaders to continue to engage. I think you guys have talked about this before. It used to be a faux pas to talk about, you know, like uh, to engage with medical help or medication or counseling. And I think the church has come a long ways in that. I've seen that over the last really Mm -hmm. five to ten years. Um, churches hiring counselors or providing resources Mm -hmm. for that. And so I I do think that we're progressing in many ways, but the reality is not every church can hire a counselor to be on their staff. Absolutely not. And so I do think it's more becoming more and more important if you don't have someone in your church that can be of that service, that you always have a business card in your back pocket. Sure. to pass out or, or a phone number to share with someone. And so uh, I think we're making progress in that way, yeah. but I think we have a long ways to, to go. Sure. And I would agree. I think, you know, even in, in Stacy and I have become, you know, gotten to a place in her recovery and our family where we talk more about this and 
talk more about our experience. I think we've seen a lot of change and progress in church life. But I, I do think that just, and I think the church probably in some ways has mirrored our culture and society about, you know, going from this is something we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe we, we don't because there's a lack of understanding or because there's, you know, we just don't know how to deal with it. Um, and, and that's been also maybe many times the, the approach of a church that now, even looking at what you're doing with this conference, where there's a specific focus and a track that's targeting these issues and trying mm-hmm. to find and present resources and encouragement and hope and help. You know, I think one of the things for um, churches, pastors, ministry leaders that's so important to understand, and I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of growth in this, is that mental illness, you know, it, one, we don't fully understand it till to this day in many ways. I'm sure 50 years from now people will look back and say, well, we've grown so much and we understand about it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's these, this recognition that it's a medical condition right? and not just something in it that you can reason your way out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in churches this is hard because a lot of times we think there's those spiritual answers, right? If we mm-hmm. just read our Bibles more or pray more or, or more Bible study or, or apply what we're learning out of the Bible more, that somehow that's going to move us out of some of these things. When, when certainly those things do speak to our mental life, our emotional life, but at the same time, you know, it's the same almost principle as, well, there's encouragement, hope, and help if you're struggling with, say, a heart condition that church, the Bible, fellowship, all those things bring. But at the same time, you know, you need a cardiologist if you have a heart condition, right? right? And you may need professional medical attention to help with mental illness, in addition to all the other spiritual and, and faith support you're getting out of that. so mm-hmm. Yeah, I think science has been screaming that evidence of a diagnosis of mental health has to be addressed. And, sure. and you have to seek care in that way, just like you would for cancer or heart condition. Yeah. And, and I think for pastors to recognize that it's not always evident. A, mm-hmm. a cancer or heart condition might be more evident and something more likely to land on a prayer request list. Sure. Yeah. Mental health is harder because it's behind closed doors that people really suffer from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think the more it comes to light, the more we do address that spiritual community support while encouraging other support like medical help mm-hmm. and counseling and, and other resources and tools that we have available. Yeah. I feel like there over the years, um, there's been a lot of shame attached to it. Yeah. And I'll drive by churches of any denomination or belief and they'll have something about divorce care or which is so essential. They'll have something about, um, you know, just uh, maybe narcotic care, you know, any type of addiction. So essential just as essential but different is the mental health of our congregations. And um, I just feel like that anything that um, we go through has a spiritual core to it. And so it's very important for those things to be addressed in the church because the um, secular community is addressing it. And the church, we can get on board or we can avoid it, and I really am thankful that we're choosing to get on board. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, very Amy, encouraging. Oh, yeah, definitely. What What are some things, Amy, that you would say, okay, you're seeing churches, and I think certainly 
your ministry um, with churches across the state, even this conference, but some things that churches are doing well to support those who struggle with mental illness and, and their families, too, as they walk that road. I think it starts with the shepherd of the church. I am mm-hmm. seeing pastors and ministry wives more and more say, I need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And allowing them to go and get help and see a counselor. Through Oklahoma Baptist, we provide care for our pastors and our ministry wives to receive yeah. counseling, wow. free counseling. And that can be very costly to a family. Right. And so I'm proud of the ways that our pastors and our ministry wives are getting healthy first. Sure. I, I think that's essential that's really for them good. to to in order for their congregation to to be healthy they have to be healthy mm. yeah. and that is that is very encouraging to me uh today i think we have seen uh e- even a double increase i believe i don't have the exact numbers but uh we have seen more and more and more say I need help, and it's okay to go and receive wise counsel mm-hmm. to address issues that they know are there that they've ignored for too long. Sure. Um, also, within um, our denomination, we have an organization called WMU. It's the Women's Missionary Union. It's mm-hmm. a mission organization for women to really send and support missionaries. But through that, they're addressing mental health as their critical issue for the next two years. Oh, wow. wow. I and have no idea. Yes, yes. That's so great. And yeah. that is it that is going to be a fantastic resource to churches all across the United States and beyond. And so for them to say, we see there's a need for this and to rise up and take that challenge on to provide resources to the local church mm-hmm. is very, very encouraging. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot of growth in that area. Well, I think as pastors, you know, recognize maybe as you just indicated with for themselves within their families, and and we can speak a little bit to that. We've been on church staff. We've been associate pastors. We've pastored a little church before. You know, those, um, there's, I think there's one, the experience of it yourself makes you much more comfortable and open to talking about it. In many cases, not always with others, where just your own knowledge, it's okay. If you've walked a road, you can really speak to others that are on that same journey. I think with more passion, with more conviction, maybe just with more just confidence than you could if you've not walked that road before. Right. Um, but at the same time, too, I think it's so important that, and I appreciate all this because it's, it's you know, so many churches for so long, counseling was kind of like, I don't know, it's almost a sign of, well, you're not strong enough. It was almost a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And I love the verse you referenced when we first started, Amy, that it's in our weaknesses that God uses us. And I think mm-hmm. we have to get to that place where we realize it's okay if I'm weak. It's okay if I need help. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if I need to raise my hand. And, you know, you think about so many of the traumatic things in our state that our pastors have to go through day by day. Mm-hmm. From the, 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 just the, the things in their congregation's life. But even you think about, I've talked to guys that, you know, men and women that served and were in the ERs after the Murrah Building bombing. You know, guys that were chaplains for their local fire departments, all these small towns around Oklahoma City that all came in. And just the impact, the traumatic impact that had. Mm -hmm. You know, the aftermath of natural disasters down to just day-by-day life when members of congregations get sick and die and love one. You know, all the things pastors have to go through. I think, you know, um, counseling is not a bad word. 
It's not a um, sign of weakness. It's really a necessity in many ways. And I think that's so huge then for them to be able to understand that for their, their congregations as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what are some things kind of on the flip side of that? Um, you know, this is not to uh, bash a particular church, a denomination, but I think just churches in general, as we've talked about and have experienced, you know, churches aren't perfect. No church is perfect. Right. I mean, we're, churches are made up of imperfect people, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, um, there's challenges there in times that maybe the church has dropped the ball. I say church just kind of in general. So what are some ways that maybe churches have struggled to support those with mental health? And I think it's important we talk about that because maybe many of our listeners have experienced that and they had an expectation that for whatever reason wasn't met and maybe it's even impacted their kind of view of church or participation in church Mm -hmm. at this point in their life. Yeah, I think growing up in the 90s and um, going to church, I you walk in the door in your Sunday best, and even though the morning might have been crazy, your parents could have been in a fight. I'm not sure. saying mine were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, getting the kids out the door and you walk in, mm-hmm. and how are you? Your answer should always be fine. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the classic response. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's not just church. That's probably office, you know, setting, workplace setting. Somebody says that. That's that's what we're conditioned to say, right? We are. We are. And I think the moment that we can let our guard down and say, I'm actually not doing okay. I'm really struggling with this this week. This has been on my mind. I can't get it out of my head. Is it true or not? I think when we can sit down and and be real and know people, really know people, I think we see that church in Acts that we read about, really no one was without need. Mm -hmm. I think it's because they spent time together. They dined together. They made sure everyone had what they needed. And in, in a culture where we had to be put together and everything okay, mm-hmm. um, it really eliminated that ability to be real. Mm-hmm. I think um, my generation, the millennial generation, is saying we're not doing that. Sure. And, and even so our true. younger generation, you'll talk to them and they'll give you a straight answer. Right. You know, and I think they're kind of done being fake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can learn from that and say, you know, things weren't always perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we allow people an open door into our lives, it, it, like you said, it's not a sign of weakness. Really, it's a sign of strength mm-hmm. to yeah. say, um, we are broken. This world is so broken. We see it all around us every single day, Sure. but we have hope in Jesus That's right. Right. and he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He allows us to run this race mm-hmm. with endurance, mm-hmm. even when I feel like quitting. He helps bring us along um, and and allow other people to come along that journey as well. Absolutely. And something that I always think of is, you know, because I think a lot of people have experienced this, is that you should never feel lonely when you enter a church. Right. You should feel like, you know, these are my people. Mm. You know, this is my, these are my people that I can be real with when I've been beaten up by the world all week long. And these are people that I can call in the midst of that in the week and not feel judged. Um, and I think we have come a long way in that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just not feeling like that you have to be, um, like you're saying, Amy, a certain way in order to do that. Um, and also 
I feel like that the church is more open to education Mm -hmm. about things than they have been in a very long time. What are you going through? What is the information that I need to know? When our hospitals are full of children who are desperate and suicidal, we have to wake up. And I feel like that we are more than ready to do that, as you're stating, and to get these you know, to, to minister to our young congregation all the way up to our senior adults in this because no one is void of feeling lonely and down, especially during COVID. But this, like you said, has only come to the surface because of that, but it's been underlined for a long time. Right, yeah. You know, one of the, thing I th- one of the things I think churches and, and we're so good at in many ways from, you know, Bible study groups, small groups, old school, traditional Sunday school classes, whatever it may be, You know, if someone in your group um, maybe has a loved one pass away or is sick in some way, someone's in the hospital, somebody has a surgery, Um, in Baptist life particularly, I mean, you know, the food just starts showing up, right? You know, and and it's there. And and a lot of times just because, okay, we're not sure what to do. We know, hey, if we can provide a meal, provide a casserole, whatever it may be, you know, that's that's a ministry. it's really interesting. I sat in a group when Stacy was in her inpatient treatment several years ago. They had a, a family week. And part of that is I sat in a group of people that were loved ones, sons, daughters, husbands, you know, spouses, who it may be, probably about 15 of us, and our loved ones were all in the treatment program. Very diverse group from all over the United States because of the reputation. And beyond. Exactly. Israel. International mm-hmm. because of the, one, the credentials of this treatment center as being one of the tops in the country. Two, um, multiple kind of faiths represented from, you know, people that really had no connection to faith um, to people that were from a Catholic background, a Jewish background. Certainly, you know, a few people maybe that were you know, more of, uh, you know, uh, evangelical church background. But somebody threw out a comment that said, um, you know, no one brings a casserole when your loved one's in a mental hospital. And what was fascinating about that is that it struck a chord with everybody around that group, whether they had really ever been in church before or not. In, in some ways, however that, you know, whatever community group they were in of some nature, they connected with that statement. So it wasn't just churches that necessarily struggled in that area. It was kind of all kind of kind of these support groups that did. But it was really, I thought, how interesting that everybody that has a loved one that's in this facility, which was a great world-class facility, and world-class treatment program, had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where oftentimes, and I can say this for me, having been on a church staff before, where I probably would drop the ball the most is if I didn't know what to do or what to say. Right. I mean, as a pastor, even as a Sunday school teacher, I think your kind of confidence flows out of, well, I, I know what to say. I know I, you, know, you have a passion to help, right? And you want to help. And so you're, you're used to being able to help in some way, whether it's teaching something, doing something. But when you can't help, it's easy just to kind of think, well, I don't know what to do. I don't want to do the wrong thing, so I'm not going to do anything at all. And we kind of get stuck in that paralysis. And I think that's where a lot of churches maybe, you know, kind of need to grow out of. Realize, and I don't know if the answer is always to bring a casserole. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I do think, you know, if, if that kind of shared experience was was kind of universal in this, in this very diverse group of people, I think it's... Um, 
you know, something that we can learn from for mm-hmm. sure is that, you know, the same kind of support and care we provide to someone when maybe their loved ones in a hospital had a surgery and they're going to be there for a week. We need to be thinking about, well, how can we support that family who maybe, maybe their loved one has had to go into a inpatient program for mental health, or we just know they're struggling. What can we do to help them rally around them and be their support? And I think that's really important. So, yeah, I agree. Well, what are some things that uh, ways maybe, and this is a little, maybe flowing a little bit out of that same question, but what are some ways that we've seen churches grow? And I think we've talked about that a little bit, but churches mm-hmm. have grow or changed and how they do support those in their congregations that struggle with mental health. Yeah, I think I think churches have grown in uh, this this focus on small groups has really been helpful yeah. in connecting mm-hmm. people that has been, you know, over the last five, ten years even, people have gone to a more uh, a family setting uh, mm-hmm. within different families of the church coming together right. in a beautiful way where they really know each other. The couples know each other. They know their kids' names. They know what they're doing in their daily lives. And I think that provides that natural support system. So when someone is struggling, they are able to reach out and and receive the encouragement that they need from the local church. I also have seen children in student ministries do greater uh, care and training in mental health areas. Yeah, that's huge. The screens are becoming quite the issue in our younger generations, and I think we're learning this as it comes along. Um, But just really providing... uh, training for the parents and and how can we conduct the home in a way that helps prevent some trauma-like experiences from Mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I just saw, this is a public school system, but Bethany Public Schools is doing TBRI training, which is trauma training Mm -hmm. for their teachers. And I about jumped out of my seat with excitement that people are getting this. And I'm seeing that TBRI training in the church as well. Um, So I'm I'm excited about the resources that are coming to parents of young children and teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And perhaps we could prevent situations from happening that could that could be traumatic to a young brain developing mm-hmm. in in preventative in future instances within their life. So I am excited about that as well. God, it's so good. These are things that we would not have known. I'm so thankful mm-hmm. that you know these things. I mean, you can share them with people because, like I said, it just it just. I, I can't live like this, but sometimes my mind does go to early prevention is so important. Yeah. It keeps that spiral and that endless circle, almost roller coaster from continuing. It just says this is where it stops um, or this is where intervention is happening so that that way this person does have hope and they do not feel like that they have to act on what their sorrow or their their inclination is as a sick brain. Mm-hmm. So that is so I'm very encouraged by that. I had no idea. And there's so many connections to mental illness with trauma. Right. And there's also this incredible, I I actually listened to a podcast the other day where it talked about, you know, this incredible connection. And really they're, they're putting science behind this more than just kind of emotion and feeling about how they're, they're measuring how hope or how trauma impacts hope and how hope 
for particularly a child or a young person, is so critical Mm -hmm. as a defining factor for their academic success, for their professional possibilities in life, all those kinds of things. There's this direct link between trauma to hope to what their adult lives look like. Yeah. And and it's just, you know, and now they're kind of mapping out the science of that and putting, you know, measures in place to if we can, you know, deal with traumatic and, and provide healing from trauma at this level, it impacts hope, it impacts, you know, entire lives. So yeah. Part pretty of incredible I see that stuff. coming really out of the foster care arena yeah. oh, as yeah. well. And churches really engaging, saying we're not only going to help our, our biological children, right. but we're going to reach out to our local children and say we, we want church to be a safe place for them. Um, we want to dive into the messiness of what they've experienced so that they can come out with hope, um, which I think is preventative in, in future, when they get into adulthood and they're dealing with what happened in childhood, mm-hmm. it can really help um, their mental health in, in future years. So mm-hmm. I'm encouraged by the church in that way. And that's, that's something excellent. I think, you know, I know the church that we attend is very engaged in supporting kind of the state foster care system, mm-hmm. um, the care portal. It's not yes. just Baptist churches that are engaged in that. It's, it's churches across the state of all denominations. But, but you know, and those are things that don't often, you know, make the press or make the news. It's small mm-hmm. things behind the scenes. But it's churches, it's Bible study classes, it's small groups rallying together. And the care portals are beautiful things. You know, there may be a family that's needing, you know, a hundred bucks to pay a heating bill, mm-hmm. but they're trying to hold things together and the care portal kind of connects that need to a group. Yeah. Or maybe it's a family that needs, you know, um, yeah, you know, a, maybe bunk, bed a or bunk bed for a child. Or, or exactly. Pass. So, yeah. so all kinds of these small things mm-hmm. that the church in small, quiet way, not small, but in quiet ways many times, mm. is stepping up to meet those needs. And a lot of people just don't recognize what's going on behind the scenes like that yeah. and the impact and it's making. And if we could grasp as the church, maybe a bus pass for a struggling mom or mm. a car seat yeah. or a bed for a child to have a good night's sleep, mm-hmm. that small, quiet thing could be significant to the life of sure. the child. Absolutely. And, and to really, I mean, it's just exciting because mm-hmm. that little gift could mean so much mm-hmm. for their development and their health. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that. I love that verse. And I think that, I think it really is a key verse probably for us as Christians looking to the future for ministry, for impact. But it's where Jesus told us, you know, all people will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. And I think those aspects, those gifts, those act, you know, those things of love where we can love on other people, and if they're strangers to us, that's really where hearts and minds are changed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's where, but also, too, it's it's we're following our Lord's command and doing that. Yeah. So, well, what are some things, you know, in, in looking maybe now um, – it for those not so much from the church leadership side, but for those who attend church or might consider attending church, or maybe have attended church in the past and now have kind of dropped out for whatever reasons. Amy, what would you say? Why is why do you think church is important for those who struggle with mental health? Why would that be an important thing for them to be engaged in? Yeah, we're not meant to do life alone ever. (laughs) And and God is so good to give us his Holy Spirit 
and the local church to mm-hmm. say, until you see me face to face, I'm giving you these things. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holy Spirit as a guide, a comfort to us anytime, a, a director of our lives, but then the church to come alongside and to say, we're encouraging you to follow in obedience to the Lord for us to be your support. Mm -hmm. And, um, I cannot imagine doing this life without the church or without Jesus Mm -hmm. and what a gift it is to us as we journey along life. We Mm -hmm. have no idea what tomorrow holds. But we do know that there is other people walking alongside us in focus, in in a direction that we're running after as well. And um, man, I just, I can't imagine doing it without. Yeah. I think our best moments in life should be with the local church. Mm -hmm. And also our hardest moments get to be alongside them. Mm -hmm. And, And so really it's this lifestyle of, of, of a community of Christ followers coming together to allow other people who don't know him to join in that mm-hmm. community as well. Well, Amy, I appreciate your passion for that because it's not only mm-hmm. your work in this kind of leadership administrative role, but man, uh, of all the hard things you could do, I think starting a church has got to be yeah. one of the hardest. And so it just in whatever free time you must have, you and your husband, Rick, have said, well, let's just go launch a new church yeah. <laughs> with this heartbeat of reaching people that may not already be engaged in a church right. or may not already, you know, feel like they fit into a traditional church. So I think you guys yeah. are... I mean, you're living this 24-7 in your life. Yeah. Talk about Bright City. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, for our Oklahoma listeners, like the the area that we're, we're our hub, our church building mm-hmm. is on Lake Overholster. It's next to Putnam City West. Mm-hmm. And we live off of Route 66. And so it's really fun that our lives are centered around that Bethany, Oklahoma City area. Mm-hmm. And um, what really drew us to that part of town is Putnam City West. Mm-hmm. 91% of those High school students are on free or reduced lunch. It's an extremely diverse part of town mm-hmm. uh, with over 50 churches in a three-mile radius. Yeah, yeah. And, but there's so much brokenness in that area and, and people who might have heard of Jesus but don't have an active relationship with him or even a church family to come alongside them. Mm-hmm. And so we've stepped in this. It hasn't been easy. No. At all. (laughs) But I would say the thing that keeps us going is we know the answer. Like we Mm. have the key to the hope that is life. And Mm. the thing that keeps us going every day is we want people to know that. And, uh, you know, you just can't sit along life and and have that wealth of who Jesus is and not share it. That's right. And so that's that's what we're after is we want them to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've gotten to know Rick just a little bit, but it's evident in you guys' life and just being around y'all. That's, that's what, that's what you guys live for. It just overflows out of them. It's just like, they can't help it. (laughs) Stacy, to follow up on that question too, I know you've talked a lot about the importance of community for you, Mm -hmm. but also how mental illness really, there's just, it's almost like part of the, the, the lies that it screams to you in your brain is that you should isolate. It's trying to tell you you should isolate mm-hmm. yourself. So for a lot of people that struggle with mental health, the the kind of the momentum of their illness is pushing them to isolate. 
And so how have you found community to be such a um, way for you to push back on some of those lies that you uh, that your mind and your illness is telling you? Mm-hmm. I think before I went to treatment a few years ago, we had isolated. Yeah. Um, we had come from a, a good-sized church, and we had needed to step down because of my illness. Um, and we just weren't in a place where we needed to be leaders in a church at that time, not because of anything other than we needed to get well and as a family. And so when I went away to treatment and um, I lived in such a tight community, they accepted 12 to 15 people at a time at that um, level of care um, so that they could adequately and above and beyond take care of us. Um, I was re-engaged with the importance of um, how important food is and how important it is for us to eat together and to do life together. And food is such a big part of that. So when I, one of my biggest fears when I was um, about to be um, discharged to come home was how would people in our community um, respond to me as coming home, gaining about 20, 25 pounds of nutrition, not knowing um, how their response would be. And also, could I be more involved because I had gotten better, you mm-hmm. know, um, physically I'd gotten well a lot yeah. of my body was starting to heal. And so that was one of my biggest things was how am I going to kind of um, duplicate what I've been living in for four months and have that support in my home setting. I knew I was going to come home to a family that was going to support me, but y'all had come to see me. Some people from church had come to see me, and I knew that I could lean on them and lean into them. Little did we know that when I got home, that was where the true fight really was to start or continue in such a real way that I needed um, for people to understand. And I realized at that point that they weren't going to understand unless you and I stepped out Mm -hmm. and said, this is what we've gone through. This is what we're going to continue to go through. We don't want anyone to have to go through this alone like we have felt for no reason. So we wanted to help give people confidence that they could reach out and, um, and not be rejected. And that's exactly what happened to us. One of the main things that happened was is that people, when I first started going back to church, which was almost immediately when I got home, when I had the energy and strength to do that, was they were just glad I was alive. So my perception and my fears were dispersed. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of you who are listening have this preconceived and maybe experience that you've had that has made you want to go away from the church or the Christian realm of that Christian community. And I want to help you to think of it and um, maybe give it another try. (laughs) Give it another chance. Because that's what I really had to do. We did not leap in um, and it feel like we were jumping off of a cliff. We had people who were helping to harness us and to help us um, feel like, you know what, this is going to be hard for you because of what you deal with. But let us go ahead and show you that we can be better. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was really blown away by. Um, but so. I would say, and it takes it takes a level of discipline's the right word, but commitment, because you know the natural tendency of mental illness is to say, 
isolate, isolate. People mm-hmm. don't understand. And so whether it be with church or even just your, your friends and your mm-hmm. group of friends, you have to kind of push yourself. Yeah. And But when you do, I would say it's usually, or maybe always, for the better. It, it is, is for the better. Yeah. And the first thing that the enemy usually attacks me with, because I am so um, relational, I love people so much. Um, and I've had people tell me before, you love so deeply. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes I'm like, God, that hurts. Because, you know, not everybody um responds the same to that Mm -hmm. and um so the enemy of course knows that that is something that I love so that's his first go-to for me and so when I start to feel low or when I start to feel like um that my mind is too much for people or it's a burden for people I do isolate I struggle with that to this day and that may continue to be a struggle but the fight back in that is like Amy is talking about too, is that we're made to live in community. And that's one of the reasons why we wrote the book, why we have the podcast, why I do speak out and everything is because these things can be stopped when they're identified. Yeah. And the secrets that keep us sick can be dispersed. Right. And so that's why those days are so important for me to get out of bed and before I even hit the floor for me to go, okay, God, what do you have? What's your plan for today? My plan is to hide. (laughs) my plan is to stay at home because I am not enough um and it's right I'm not enough but I know who is and that's why more times than not um I choose to get up and leave my house yeah and that is a huge commitment and it is one of the hardest things I do even though I'm very outgoing is get up and leave my house and go, you know what, Stacy? today is so much bigger than you. And God's plan for you is so much bigger. But not only that, is it's not only about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the people that are in our community that are walking around going, like we've talked about, we have no hope. And for me to make eye contact with people and go, you are, you, I recognize you. I see you. And because I see you, how much more does God see you? And you are worth, you know, talking to and engaging with. So isolation is a very big challenge for me, even in my extrovertedness. Yeah. But um, most of the time I used to walk on it and uh, step over it. <laughs> it's important. And you do. You know, one really fascinating, um, one fascinating study uh, that came out, and, and we've talked about on this podcast, mental health in the pandemic, it's just like the volume has been just cranked all the way up, right, mm-hmm. as far as how intense it is. But there's a Gallup study, so you think an objective study that's, that came out late 2020 that said that they, they did a, interviews of all kinds of people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, and they found that the only group of people that had an improvement in their level of mental health since the beginning of the pandemic were those that had been frequent church attenders. Yeah. So I think there's interesting, something objective out there saying there's mm-hmm. something behind that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like you guys have said, we were meant to live in community with others. Mm-hmm. And in a season where everything told us to be apart, and maybe that connection for safety had to be online, had to be over Zoom or whatever, but engaging in that, mm-hmm. pushing ourselves to engage in that was uh, made a big difference for a lot of people. Absolutely. And one verse that comes to mind is 1 John 1. I love this passage. Mm -hmm. And starting in verse 5, it says that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. I think that tendency for isolation truly is the enemy of lies trying to, to pull someone away 
from that community that is life giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in verse seven, it says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, talking about Jesus, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. And I think that what that verse reveals to us, when we have that, when we are saying in the light, I feel like I should hide away because of my mind. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should stay in bed. Is that true? And when you have fellowship with one another, obviously it's not. You know, I can say that to someone, a friend who's seeking help, or or they can say that to me, and that truth is revealed. It's brought into the light, and the lies, like you were just saying, has no hold anymore. But it's that constant being able to be in fellowship with one another bringing that truth into light instead of allowing the enemy to have a stronghold in the darkness. Because that's just who Jesus is. He yeah. brings us into the light so we can have fellowship with one another. That's so true. Yeah. And it just reminds me of something that I mentioned almost almost every podcast, but I want to keep it in the forefront because it's my it's my food. It's it's what I thrive on. And that is, you know, from Psalms one eighteen seventeen and it says I will not die, but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. Rarely is there a command in the Bible that is not followed by an action. And so, um, you know, if I want to obey God, which I do, then not only do I need to commit to live, which is so hard. And for some people, they're going, why is that so hard? It's so hard for me, I should say, to commit to that. Um, so I have to do it one one step at a time to commit to not take my life and then follow that up by telling people what God is doing in my life. Um, last session, our last podcast, we said we were talking about truths and lies and the lies that the enemy screams into my head on a daily basis all day long. And that is that um, that I am a mistake. And scripture talks to us about in Psalm 139 that we were made for by him for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you with that today, that you are not a mistake and that the church does not see you as a mistake and your community in the church does not see you a mistake, but as a mistake, but as a vital member. Well, as we wrap up today... Um... One of the things we we talk a lot about on this podcast is that we're building a community of hope. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about what gives us hope. So kind of just throwing out there, that out there to you, just on the spot, what would you say, Amy, is something that gives you hope? Well, today it would be that our past experiences and our current struggles do not um, discount our future Mm-hmm. And none of that's in vain. What, whatever you're struggling with today, whatever trauma you've experienced in the past does not eliminate you from being used for God today and in the future. Mm-hmm. And there is great hope in that. Yeah. And he wants to use you. Yeah, that's, that's great. You know, with multiple things to kind of to juggle and everything, I feel like he uses it to draw me near to him. So in our weakness, like you're talking about, Amy, he is made strong and I'm just so thankful for that, and I'm thankful that you know that, Amy, and that you're in a leadership position, but by no means do you carry that as a lone 
saying you are a team player and I appreciate you so much for including me in that. Yeah. It's just given, it's been life giving to me. It's allowed me so many times within our churches and in our community to be able to take another breath and go, you know what? I'm not overlooked because I have this weakness. Um, I desire to serve the Lord. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, Amy, we want to thank you for yes. joining us today. Man, we appreciate you. Appreciate your insights, your wisdom, yes. just vast experience you have. And two, we really appreciate your leadership. Your leadership mm-hmm. for our state and our churches and, and just your leadership in bringing uh, mental health and, and hope for those that struggle with mental health, whether they're inside a church or outside of a church. Mm-hmm. Bringing hope to them to the forefront is so important. Now y'all see why we love her so much. That's right. I mean, it's so easy. And so... So if you're interested, don't forget the Women's Ministry Conference uh, coming up on April the 17th. Mm -hmm. Again, you can attend with a church or you can attend in the privacy of your own home. So a lot of flexibility there. Uh, I think it'd be great if you could do that. We'd love for you to participate in that. So check that out. Get signed up. Stacey will be one of your breakout speakers along with a number of other really great and uh, solid speakers and leaders that, that are going to talk on a number of topics. So, hey, we thank you for joining us today. We look forward to our next opportunity to be together. So be looking for the next Speak Out Loud podcast to be coming out in about a week or so. And until that time, God bless you guys.